I, I have a feeling that Panzer means something in the UK. Because you guys are you guys are laughing and <laughs> I don't <laughs> Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And I'm John D. Harvey. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the innovative Idleman. Gentlemen, how are we? Uh, John, seeing as you are our honoured guest. Say it properly, Steve. John D. Harvey, seeing as you are our honoured <laughs> guest and a boss of all things FWT. Uh, how are you? What have you been up to? Tell us all about your last week or so. My last week or so has been pretty much uh, filled with a lot of experiments. So I'm trying to do new things in the shop. I'm trying to work different processes into how I make things to kind of break away from the pack a little bit. You know, it's been interesting having opened up a shop during a global pandemic. Yeah. So it has kept me busy setting things up. It's it's been a little rough in places, but to be perfectly honest, it it wasn't a bad time uh, to do such a thing. Just because it it was quiet, it made it easier for me to find a place. To be perfectly honest, and now that I've got my own space, you know, because before I opened my own shop, I was basically you know renting space in another shop. Yeah, and that was fine except it really didn't give me the space or the bandwidth to kind of do my own thing yeah. and come in and be able to look at a process that I've got down relatively well and say, well, how do I move this forward? How do I move it in a different direction? How do I make it a little bit different from what everybody else is doing? So I, I, I can only assume I, that the time limitations. Sorry, I, I wasn't actually already asking a question is fine you carry on and just talk straight over me don't worry about it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so like i i just wanted to ask john because you uh when you moved into the shop you start doing a little bit of a video and stuff like that with uh and putting it on youtube but how are you yeah. actually finding the new workshop like it, it it's such a cool space but we don't get to see a huge amount of it so you know what 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 have you done new in there how how's it all going so I have set up a forge, an anvil. I've got a few pieces of small machinery in there. I have plans to get more. Uh, actually, at some point this spring, I should be putting in the coal forge. So I will be doing that. Currently, I'm, I'm working on a gas forge, which I don't mind. I like working on coal. Um, but for certain things, gas forges are yep. like, like production work. Yeah. You can't beat a gas forge if nope. you need to work on more than one piece at a time and like yeah. everybody who follows me on instagram will know um that i've been doing a lot of forged chopsticks yes and in a coal forge with metal <laughs> with metal, <laughs> yeah yeah in a coal forge they turn into like sparkly sticks really quickly Whereas in a gas forge, you can put, you know, two sets of chopsticks in and work on them in quick succession, yeah. forge them down, get where you need to be and not have to worry about them melting to the bottom of the, of the coal forge. Yeah. Nice. Brett, did you want to ask your question? Oh, it actually pertained to his, his uh, comment that he made there like five minutes ago. So now I don't think it tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, Hold on. Wait, wait, no, no. I can, I can go back into it. Please do. <laughs> John, do the time limitations uh, when you were sharing another shop, like, is it more the approach that 
when you get there, you need to actually, you know, crack out work. I don't know, being able to play with the time you have in a rented space is going to limit. So the time, so I was, I was renting, uh, basically I was renting space in a metal shop and the only time limit I had was the guy who actually owned the place said, I'd, I'd rather you not forge after 10 p.m. Because mm -hmm. fatigue becomes a factor, safety becomes a factor when fatigue becomes a factor. And I don't want to find you lying prone on the floor when I come in in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's that's fair. And I also don't want to die in your shop. <laughs> so I want to die um, in my own shop. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's that's the Viking death for a blacksmith is dying <laughs> in your own shop. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it was more a factor of, you know, the guy who owned the shop. He had tools laid out. He would I would come in and the space that I would sometimes use to plan things out and do things was taken up by his work. Yeah. Which was perfectly fair. It's his shop. He yeah. needed to get work done. He needed to get product out the door. So it was hard for me to say, I'm going to set this up here today. This is going to be the space where I'm going to work on these things. And tomorrow when I come back in, it's all going to be there. Yeah. So it was more a function of just, it wasn't my shop. Yeah. Mm. You know, I couldn't set up where I wanted to set up. I couldn't leave tools and equipment uh, exactly. You know, I kind of at the end of the night, I had to clean all of my stuff out of that area and yeah. put it in my little corner. And then the next day when I came in, I'd have to pull it all back out and hope that I still had the space to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, it, it's amazing the kind of impact having to fully clear down and set up every time you want to do something has like yeah. and even from just a, a mental like even if it only takes five minutes to do which generally it doesn't even take that but it's the the mental mental break from what you were doing before you can't walk in and go right i'm i'm gonna do this and just light the forge and, and crack on with it you have to go right i really want to do this but oh shit i need to move that out of the way i need to move this in okay and it becomes just another barrier to entry and it's another barrier to to actually getting on with a, a productive day yeah exactly like i like last night i was in the shop and i'm i'm experimenting on the twisty ends on some chopsticks that's the technical and, term yes yes exactly the <laughs> twisty end and so i i reached i reached a point where i was i was like well i'm at a place now where you know it's been a long day i don't want to do the next thing because the next thing is going to be potentially a little complex and require some concentration. I don't, I'm not sure I have concentration right now. So I'm just going yeah. to set everything up and go home. Yeah. <laughs> and when I go back on Monday, you know, uh, un unless a pack of coyotes gets into my shop, everything should be exactly <laughs> where I left it. Those famous metal hungry coyotes. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's good, and it's it's really nice to hear that you're kind of you're in that space, and you're able to be doing what you want to be do, doing now. And like you say, having that um, that freedom to to experiment and to to do those things, it's yeah, it's good to hear. Speaking of things that are good to hear, Brett, what have you been up to this week? I got my second COVID shot. Yay! Uh, so I gave the the metal shoes to Miss Jess. 
that i still haven't really posted about it or anything because i'm just trying to figure out what and when i want to do in terms of showing yeah. them off oddly enough when you don't have a person's foot to test run things on <laughs> you realize that uh you know, a quarter of an inch of steel squeezing against your foot is not all that comfortable if it's not shaped correctly. So <laughs> I actually had to spend uh, the following day doing a little bit of tweaking yeah. and also not realizing that once you've riveted a bunch of sheet plates together that that it, that it moved very well, <laughs> <laughs> they really don't. It means my riveting was really good, though. So I was proud of that. But uh, yeah, you know, got to play around and, and think of those odd techniques where you go, okay, I've never done this before, but I know I know how steel moves, but I'm not going to chuck it all back in the forge. So what can I do to bump this section of the steel out a little bit or, or yeah. reshape things? And then just obviously uh, post making that sign, I'm realizing more and more how the horn and the hardy hole are just amazing. Yeah. And I don't yeah. see a lot of people using either of those things unless the hardy hole is holding a tool or the horn is just, I don't know, being used to curve things, but th there's so much more that can come out of just those two yeah. parts of the anvil. So far be it for me to realize that I've got more to learn, right? <laughs> uh, got that all sorted out. So at least we can hopefully take some photos of her wearing them without it destroying her feet. I, I really like how they turned out though. It was the first time I'd done metal work or sorry, leather work in a quite some time and I, I kind of forgot how tedious and repetitive that is uh and then a couple days later went and got second covid shot knew from talking to other people that had already done it that i was probably going to need to set myself up for a day or two of not feeling so well got through what it would have been friday friday was fine you know felt yeah. a bit groggy sore arm afterwards but yesterday was a bother i was i was real under the weather yesterday never ran a fever checked in all day long but just really not feeling all that well and then woke up this morning feeling tip top so <laughs> coffee in hand i'm going to try and get things back on track in terms of the to-do list and just the general computer work i've got some experimental things coming up project wise anyhow so i feel like today and the next couple of days are just going to be spent playing catch up and uh, really planning out what these builds and experimentation are going to be. I, I do want to start working on the bathroom of the cabin so I can actually start making progress on that. Yeah. And there's a few materials and processes that I've never dealt with before, but I, I know myself well enough that I'm going to look up some videos or I'm going to do some research on a couple of the aspects that I want to do, having never done it before, and then just probably go, oh, but it's a lot like uh, leatherworking, or it's a lot like, you know, cutting wood. That that all makes sense. I can cut wood and, and <laughs> fit it to shape, but I have to deal with things like a uh, water membrane and making sure that I don't rot my walls out. And uh, I really want to use this lime plaster stuff that like Ben actually has some samples, but uh, it's supposed to be hydrophobic and it's really good for areas that experience moisture without, you know, it acts as a barrier to anything behind it. Um, and I want to do black plaster in the shower area. And then it's going to be a lot of fun work. I'm also uh, taking it upon myself to fully embrace the use of brass or brass steel with the majority of what I put in the cabin, because I don't see a lot of people using black and brass. And you three know that that is my gym jam. Steve, we're going to have to have some serious talks about how much of a bother it is shaping brass without just destroying it. Because I know that scoop took you a long time, and I can only imagine how often you had to actually like, anneal it and keep it from work hardening too much. Well, I, I did it exactly the same as I 
uh, I did the copper. It's I think it's more about finding the right grade of brass rather than anything else. And I I just happened to luck out that the random bit of brass that I happened to order that one time is really quite malleable. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah do, do you want crumbly there, crumbly McShatter brass or? Yeah. Softy nice to use. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oddly enough, I think you know, no, no deterrent for anybody listening to this that <laughs> yeah. probably owns an ice pick already. But uh, when I took one of the ice pick stock things to make the brass knuckles, that stuff crumbled, yeah, like almost immediately, and it took me three or four hours to shape that piece of brass because I broke and crumbled so many pieces that you didn't see in that video. Uh, And I think it's, I don't think it's low grade by any means. I think it's just, I don't know enough about brass to know what the different grades and levels are. So it's something I need to research. Yeah. I mean, it's a very strange material to work with. The other option is if you want something that's a little bit easier to forge, but has a similar sort of look, bronze is much easier to forge. Uh, okay. you, can, you can work it hot whereas with brass generally you don't want to work it that hot because it just goes all crumbly okay very similar very similar to stainless steel certain things that you do with uh stainless steel will cause it to split and crumble um rather than forge as a normal steel would but, yes uh, steve you took the words right out of my mouth because i was going to say i would much prefer to work with bronze than brass mm. especially as a as a, a heated substance yeah, definitely go more towards like a silicon bronze or something like that is really, you know, really sharp. That that really yeah. might not be a bad idea, though, to look into that material, because any of the welding, I think I'm going to end up using a lot of silicone bronze for joints just because I know it'll play better with the accent color. Yeah. And I know it's not quite as structurally sound as if you were welding mild steel with mild steel, but I really, really like the look of that almost Kintsugi-esque, you know, where it's just got that little inlay. Something we might get into. It's more experimentation for the future. Yeah. Nice. All right. A little while ago, you, uh, in your your update, you talked about tedious and boring. No, sorry, tedious and repetitive. That was it, sorry. Uh, So speaking of tedious and repetitive, Al, what have you been up to this week? Some point during this episode, I'm just gonna mute. I'm gonna mute you, and you're not gonna know when. And I'm gonna let. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna let Brett talk as much as he wants. Uh, yeah. So, what what have you been up to? Well, speaking of tedious and repetitive, um, <laughs> I've I've really been burning the midnight oil at work. Um, literally, like three a.m. fucking starts and working evenings and stuff. Um, yeah. it's just been a nightmare getting the getting the workload done. Um, hopefully it was worth it because I now have a week off. This was basically Woo-hoo! all my holidays from last year that all got cancelled, yeah. rolled over to, to, to now. So now <laughs> I'm able to finally take 2020s holidays. Um, and it's also a bit longer than a week, actually, because next Monday is bank holiday as well. So I've got a full eight days ahead of me of not having to go to fucking work. Um, and as a result... Uh, awesome. because of that, I've been a bit behind on the vlog. Um, I was on a bit of a roll getting like an episode out a week, which was very rare for me, but something I was kind of, it was really helping to drive me, but then just because of work, I've not been able to, but because now I'm off, I've been able to work on it and I got the, another episode out this morning, um, episode four, which is great. Uh, and actually working on the car, I've finished up welding all the rust um and all the holes in the body so as we all know i am owner operator of a stick welder yes. and 
that is not the tool for welding like <laughs> 22 gauge steel sheets. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've just been spending the afternoon just chasing holes around a car um, and just gradually closing the holes up and then finding <laughs> new holes and burning new holes and then closing yeah. those up. So the whole bodywork is now like maybe twice as thick as it was this morning, <laughs> but there are no longer any holes. Um, so Brilliant. it is, it is, I mean, with the exhaust, um, which I did last week, and this all the body work, that is pretty much like the, the the problem solved on the car now. Yeah, I'm just waiting for a few like arbitrary parts to arrive for the engines, like O2 sensors and little like thermostats and stuff that I can put in the engine, and that will hopefully yeah. solve the emissions because the main thing now is just the emissions because it will fail. Um, but go on, Steve. So sorry, because uh, I know you're talking about uh, the fact that you've welded up all the body work. I mm. literally got like six minutes into the the vlog because no, that's what i've been doing today yeah yeah no sorry um yeah. but but when i um i yeah before i sent the or when i sent the five minute warning i started watching it and um so i've not got all the way through that yet but yeah are you i'm presuming you are because you completely cleaned the carpet yes. but were you not tempted to put some other kind of carpet in like like full-on like three inch thick shag oh yeah 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 um, absolutely this is just going back in for now so i can get to mrt yeah um i'm tempted to completely insulate the whole car yeah um i've slept in many a, a sidekick in my day yeah. <laughs> um and there's so much glass that it is just not a nice experience it's no. super cold um it also condenses really bad because of all the glass um so you get loads of moisture in there so i'm thinking fully insulate it but also soundproof it because again yeah. it's just a tin can and it's yeah. so loud like if you go anything over like 30 miles an hour um it, it's just unbelievable unbearably loud so i could dampen all the panels mm. and then put some actual modern insulation in that isn't just a, a water absorbent sponge yeah <laughs> i was gonna say that that uh yeah. like uh silver stuff that, that's why really they all good. rot because all yeah, the yeah. soundproofing and, and insulation just just soaks up water um yeah. and then I can carpet whatever I want. But I'm going to wait until I decide what to do with all the space. Yeah. You know, if I'm putting shelving in or yeah, yeah, yeah. bed or stuff, you know, I can, I can work out what to do with the carpet. Oh, you should do the, all of the interior in Hack Shack green. Oh, that'd be just a really, really deep shadow. Just AstroTurf. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 3-6, like on the roof and everything. Just AstroTurf. Oh, that'd be brilliant. Um, yeah, so once that's once that's good, um, I'm li so I'm literally just waiting for like really little kind of like two three dollar parts to turn up but i i made a discovery that when a website is called carparts.co.uk or ukcarpartsonline.uk um <laughs> and it has a uk address and a uk telephone number it's not in the uk it's not in the uk <laughs> all car parts come from germany um yep. And from in a big warehouse in Germany, and take weeks and weeks and weeks to arrive. So I'm yeah. I'm literally just sat here waiting for shitty little parts um, that you probably could have just picked up at a motor factors back in the day, but yeah. because this is a 1993 import, you can't <laughs> you can't just walk in and pick stuff like this up. So no. I'm just playing the waiting game, and then as soon as that comes in, bolt it on, ship it off to a test, and see if it, see how many things it fails on. Yeah, and then we can start again. Awesome, man. I'm, That's me. I'm I'm loving this this series. I don't get the notifications when it pops up often enough, but I nobody um, does. I don't think yeah. Patreon is designed for usage. 
No, it's awful. <laughs> At least it's I get so the bad. email. I, I got an email like, first thing this morning and get to click through on that. But like my phone app didn't tell me that Al no. did anything. I, th- I think no. I think people get the fax if the fax is set up. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. You, yeah. You got your, your beeper. Yeah. Sure. I did. I did have a, a I did have a carrier pigeon land on the porch this morning. So that's, that's how I knew that you had put out a new vlog about the, about yeah. the car. Like it, it, that is one of the things that really bugs me about Patreon is it's a great platform or it, it it has a great potential, but it's just so badly executed and oh, it does my fucking head in. But yeah, no, I I I absolutely love um, what you've been doing with it, and I'm really excited to see how practical, but also how fucking insane. Uh, Wait, it's like now the, the fun, now the fun stuff can start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I've done all the knuckle fucking dragging stuff and and like yeah. mechanic stuff and and just. Busting bolts and and yeah. you know swearing at things. That's yeah. all out the way now. So I can I, actually do the project that I'm intending to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the Vitara van is that what you're calling yeah. it? Yeah, Vitara van, like, like a caravan. Yeah, not a van. On. It's not a Vitara van. I fucking Vitara van. We we all know that I can't do words. Um, but yeah, like I that looks fucking amazing. I cannot wait to see how that comes up because I've seen people do it with um like VWs before and. Mm. I've seen it done a couple of times with Land Rovers as well. So yeah, seeing it seeing it being done on a uh, on an Escudo is going to be um, it's going to be good, man. We'll see. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> I have fine. to. I have to ask: Is there any chance Bob has seen the intro? No chance at all. <laughs> so unless, would unless it be a problem? Would it be a problem on my Patreon? Okay. Yeah. Would it be a problem if I sent it to him? No, not at all. Okay, good. It's, it's all in because he uh, needs he needs to yeah. see that. That's brilliant. <laughs> it is fantastic. Um, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go to Al's Patreon and watch the thing because it's it's worth it. Um, cool. Right. Uh, seeing as you asked so nicely, Al, I'll tell you what I've been up to this week. Uh, I. So, what do you guys <laughs> want to talk about? <laughs> I fucking hate you so much. Oh, got it. <laughs> Uh, uh, I, you <laughs> dick. Uh, I, I made lightsabers and they were fucking great. Um, it was a really good, fun little like five minute project. Um, literally a bit of pipe and some doweling, uh, and some spray paint. And as with everything in life, I should have listened to Al years ago and bought every color that Montana cans do because. Holy shit. It makes such a difference using good spray paint. Like I always knew that like there was a big difference between the cheap B&Q spray paint and a I decent mean, it, spray it's, paint. But... It's, it's, not, it's not even cheap. The, no. Montana's probably cheaper than a can of spray paint at B&Q. It genuinely is. <laughs> and like, because the thing is, in my head, I always had it as Montana being like, oh yeah, but it's going to be really expensive because the only places I've ever seen it are the kind of places that jack their prices up on everything. Yeah, if you get if you buy it from Hobbycraft, yeah, yeah. it's expensive. <laughs> exactly. If you buy it from Montana, it's not. Yeah, like like fucking. Uh, I think it was like Graf City or something like that. Like yeah, all yeah, of these place. graffiti places. Um, yeah, they sell it, and it's so cheap, and it's so so good. Like two coats was better than like five coats of the other paint, and it just went on so flat and nice and oh, brilliant. Although, tip, if you get the black, yeah, um, it comes out like twice as fast as the gold. Oh really? So if you're really in a hurry <laughs> and only want to do one coat, yeah, um, yeah, 
Awesome. I will remember <laughs> that. Um, but I've also discovered that it cleans off of skin really well. It doesn't clean off of thumbnails at all. So I've been going around. I was going to ask you about that. I keep seeing these hints of purple all over. Yeah, I've been going around looking like a fucking mid 2000s scene star for the last uh, few days, which has been um, interesting. Um, Although I I must admit, I kind of like it. I kind of like that color. Um, I might keep it. Um, But yeah, they. uh, So I gave them to um, said four year old yesterday, and I have never had so many lightsaber battles in my entire life. It was brilliant. Uh, he absolutely loved them. Um, and that's kind of like why I ended up going for like a really simplistic um, style with him because before he had literally been using a stick um, or in fact, no, a chair leg. Um, so the fact that they were even vaguely themed um, like made his day, but he went from using them as lightsabers to the control levers and an X-wing to all of a sudden they were blasters and like so they they're still um like vague enough that they can be used to other things and he can kind of experiment with what he wants to do with it but at the still at the same time it was still very much like when he wants to go into lightsaber mode he can go into lightsaber mode so did, did, um, did he join steve i can't i can't, I can't tell if it did. Uh, no i so i was gonna do um a double length um or double-ended red one for, like uh darth maul's um like i did for uh ben for his birthday but for these ones i just i didn't have time to oh to do anything um, it's probably something you could do later yeah like a, an addendum yeah exactly and it's there's enough pipe left over that i can certainly come up with something else to do with them so so yeah because i might end up making myself a green one because <laughs> why why wouldn't i want my own lightsaber exactly. and plus it's an excuse to buy some more Man- montana so I've, I've had a fucking brilliant weekend um i started the weekend off with some barbecue food which i managed to get both berkey and franco annoyed with uh, which is the, the point of any good meal is to annoy those two. And yeah, the entire weekend's just been like really nice food, uh, some really good cocktails. Apparently, everyone in the UK is drinking something with lime in this weekend uh, because nowhere had limes in stock. Uh, everyone was sold mm. out of limes, which is unfortunate because limes are the superior citrus. Lemon is shit. Um, it's, it's very true. But yeah, that meant getting the barbecue fired up and doing all that. And it was really nice because me and Ben got to sit out. Yeah, all three of you have seen, have been to my house. So getting to sit on the like the front step uh, with the barbecue going right in front and Ben was sat on a chair and just leaning up against the door frame with a bottle of cider, barbecue going, eating some delicious uh, sweet potatoes, which parboiled sweet potatoes, thick slices on the grill for uh, like four minutes aside and then a little bit of honey and then a couple more minutes and see i didn't oh. i didn't want to be that guy i was like there's no way they cooked on the barbecue ah <laughs> uh, they were no i mean so, you did parboil them is what i mean oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying i saw those i was like there's no way they've been cooked <laughs> <laughs> yeah not start to finish <laughs> but... like rock hard in the middle <laughs> but yeah um they were so good i'm definitely doing them again and also and like... proper coleslaw yeah proper slaw not the fucking mayonnaise shit, which <laughs> also mayonnaise and vinegar and sugar soup. Yeah, like yep. so. Ben Ben started uh, like eating into because he kind of said like, oh yeah, I'm not really like I need to get some veg, so I'm gonna have some slaw. But yeah, you know, he he's not really a big fan of coleslaw. I'm not a big fan of coleslaw, and this is the first time that I've made slaw. And oh fuck, it was so good, and it was so simple as well. Um, 
so yeah it was really nice to kind of do that and and experiment with uh food a little bit more um and like this i think this summer i want to have many many a barbecue and like i'm i'm really interested with playing with more um vegetable stuff on the barbecue because any fucking moron can chuck a hunk of meat on the barbecue and cook it but like getting those veggie things really nice i think that's kind of that's something that i'm really looking forward to playing with a little bit because um like the charred peppers that i did were just oh they were so delicious it was a perfect starter yeah uh what else have i done so oh yeah so we've um we've been obviously with work we've been stupid busy i i think i've talked a little bit more about the fact that i've been doing a lot more um forge work of late the we, we had a new delivery of pans come in friday afternoon so my next uh three weeks are going to be just flat out making pans to catch up with um the orders we've got because uh one of our suppliers was featured in the financial times on saturday from the kiln collective the kin collective kiln kin collective anyway he's matthew froggett he's a really nice guy um he's promoted uh, some of our stuff so we had a, a like massive influx of orders which obviously meant that al's been like all right i'm just going to keep putting stuff back in stock until people stop buying it which basically <laughs> means that i now have to to make all of the things in none of the time so i'm probably gonna be doing overtime for most of this next week but it's all quite quiet work so it's not too bad the neighbors won't complain too much but this week uh we've been working on the new uh skewer design so our wrapped skewers which we're quite well known for the stock that we use the mill has actually stopped producing it um so we're hunting around seeing if we can find somewhere else that's going to sell it and it, it's kind of unfortunate because we've got like a back order of almost a thousand oh so God. yeah so we've like we're we're trying to get as much as we can but i think basically this next batch might be the last batch of the um the wrapped ones but we're sure someone somewhere must be making this stock so Hopefully we can find it because we we're moving everything to stainless. Um, we've been experimenting with the stainless skewers, which don't wrap like the uh, the bright steel does. Because um, stainless, when you try and move it that tightly, uh, if you're not forging it, if you're just bending it, it tends to split and snap and becomes a complete pain in the ass to work with. John's nodding his head because he's been playing with stainless recently and he knows it's an absolute shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we've been coming up with some new designs for that. Um, and also because, although it's not actually that much more expensive, because stainless is a little bit more expensive and because we're we're trying to be more and more ecologically minded within the business, we're trying to make sure that we don't uh, waste steel. So when we've got little bits of steel left over that aren't quite long enough to make the product that we normally make, we're seeing if we can come up with other variations on that product. Um, so I'll put out a post uh, on your stories this week about the fact that we're making these double skewers that we've started making plus a like a single skewer and i came up with the idea of basically that a half size skewer as well and um, that's it's kind of like an eating pick or uh whatever you want to do with it sort of thing that you can put it into a baked potato if you want to get the heat into it via that um you can just use it for eating with or you can use it for like kids kebabs or toasting marshmallows or whatever so yeah it's been been kind of fun experimenting with that the chopsticks we still haven't really uh we still haven't really figured out exactly how what our final design is going to be so there's been a bit of back and forth a bit of experimentation with that but i also got to do another little bit of experimenting this week because i have to send miss jess a care package um with some bits in it that i promised to send her a few weeks ago 
And I was like, well, I can't just send her random shit in a box. I've got to put something that I've made into it as well. So I've got to experiment with some new things and new techniques in that as well. Um, which I can't talk about because this will be out before she receives the package because I've not even sent the package yet. But yeah, it was really good fun, like getting to kind of play around with uh, new things and coming up with new products and stuff. It's been, it's been a really fun few weeks because we, we, we've all got to kind of experiment a bit and, and it's always kind of nice. I think like one of the best things about being a, a maker as such is the fact that you get to experiment a lot. You get to play with techniques. I mean, uh, John, you were playing with the with the chopsticks, putting brass and, and copper and things actually into the, the material and then forging it with that. So experimentation is a huge part of, of what we do as makers. Like we're, we're not just, you know, if, if you're just going to follow a script of like, you do this, then you do this, then you do this, you might as well buy your uh, furniture from Ikea rather than making it yourself. So I think those, those kind of experiments are, uh, are what, sets us apart as makers rather than DIYers. Nice definition. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, like I would agree with that. Absolutely. I would I would also put it out there that experimentation is is the means by which we stay creative while mm. we are making the same thing over and over and over mm. again. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I, I have been making a lot of chopsticks and I could come up with three designs and make those over and over again. And I'd yeah. sell them. I'd sell yeah. them all. I'd I'd also be incredibly unhappy because I'm making <laughs> the exact same thing yeah. over and over and over again. Uh, so welcome to my life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you guys are experimenting in the yeah. forge, and you yeah. are part of that process. So you're doing production work, but there is room to innovate. There's room to try new things. And, and I think you have to do that both as a business to stay ahead of the competition potentially, but also as a maker artist yeah. in order to keep your sanity intact. Yeah. I mean, I think like you, you touched on a really interesting point there about like the fact that, you know, even if you're making the same things over and over again, there's still room for experimentation. We, we actually, um, we've got a new guy joining the team um, for a day or two a week. Uh, soon and he was in last week for kind of a trial thing and whilst he was in I was explaining to him about um, the fact that you know this this is how I do this process but you know each person finds their own way and then I had quite a, an interesting conversation with Jimmy about it the fact that you know you you learn one way of getting to an end result and as you're doing it you make mistakes and those mistakes teach you a bit about well, okay, so if I strike it like this, or if I use the power hammer like that, then that's the result. How can I work that to my advantage? Is there a way to work this into um, the, the process for making it? And you know, when it gets to the point where you can make it something consistently, you then get to experiment with other things. It's like, well, I know if I fuck this up, I can put it right. So let me just try and see if doing it like this gets it done any quicker or gets it even more comfortable. And I think like experimenting with, with process and still getting the same end result is still um still keeps things interesting it's still a, a good thing to do yeah i think that um that idea of kind of experimenting being destructive i really like mm. john you said you said that experimenting it could be about um staying creative so you 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 yeah. you, you use experimentation to, to to do things a little differently for me it's about learning like i i i cannot learn if i'm just doing what i'm supposed to do 
or if I just follow the instructions or do what someone else told me to do, I don't learn anything. There's no net gain for me. Yeah. I'm just repeating back what some, it's just like a monkey or like a, a computer yeah. program. Um, it's like being at school, copy these things down. And then at some point in the future, repeat them back to us and we'll give you a grade. Yeah. Well, I've not learned anything. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I've not grown. I've not developed. Yeah. So experimentation for me is about taking things on the next step. Yeah. And it's it's usually just a destructive process. It's usually I want to take it apart to see how it works or I want to bend it until it breaks. Yeah. And then I know where the breaking point is. Yeah. Um, and recently for me, one of the really helpful things has been having two identical vehicles. <laughs> um, and it, what it means is I can experiment on one, <laughs> see how far I can go with it, yeah, and then know where the breaking point is, and then go right. That's that's the limits of what I can do. Apply yeah. that then knowledge, and that that I've learned. If I just followed the manual on both of them, yeah, it would just be like, well, first of all, it wouldn't work because there's other circumstances in the world, mm. so the manual doesn't account for rust. <laughs> but, you know, the manual yeah. assumes that you're taking this car apart the minute it's left the, the showroom floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, 30 years down the line, this manual is almost almost useless. Uh, yeah. Steve. I, I, I was just going to say, like, I, I really like the way you, you talked about um, the destructive aspect of mm. it, of experimentation. Um, when, when I was still working in the IT field, like one of our mantras was uh, move fast and break stuff. Yeah. Um, so we would do several deployments a day and we built into our processes the fact that we were going to put stuff out that was going to break it. And that was okay. And it, it was that realization that actually you don't have to be perfect with each mm. iteration. Like those small, uh, like consistent small um, increments are better than doing one large complete <laughs> change every six months. Yeah. Because it, it means that if you break something, you can quickly put it back to something that you know is working. And then you can look at that one little thing and go, oh, shit, what was wrong with that? Whereas if you do a big deployment every six months, then when one thing is broken, you've got to roll everything yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Then you've got to figure out well, what was it that broke it, which part of it. And it, yeah, it, it it's a complete pain in the ass. And I think that's a really applicable thing to, to makery in general as well. It's like, just constantly experiment, constantly fuck around and see what what works and what doesn't. I mean, obviously, there's going to be times where you want to do something consistently and you want to do it the same way every every time. Yeah. But if you're mixing epoxy yeah. to go on a massive oak table and it will burn the fucking place down <laughs> if you don't get the, the proportions right yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you pour too much, maybe do follow the instructions. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I am such a fan of the experimental projects or the failures, right? We've talked about this plenty before, but uh, specifically when it comes to a lot of the guys I, I follow or let's say blacksmiths specifically, Uncle John Ariani has his entire wall of failures. And like, I kind of just want to see if I can get one. I just want like a paperweight <laughs> that's just a mismade hammer or something that's wrong, you know? Because so many of the people that we know do production work or somebody that produces something to be sold at a very high quality level, it's more fun for me to see when they've experimented and then failed by happenstance. But, you know, Jim, I, I bought my first ice pick from Jim because he misstamped it or he ran his stamp on it twice. Mm. And at that point in time, he was just like, you want to buy this one? But it's it's wrong. It's, it, I ruined it. And I was like, <laughs> nope, I will take that one. Cause no one else has it. 
I know there is something inherent to people collecting these type of things because it exists in all kinds of products over the internet, right? If you get a misprinted coin from your government mint, it's worth loads more because there's not supposed to be mistakes in it. We, we don't have something that hardcore stringent on us where we, we have to produce the proper thing or else it's not sellable. But I, I think there's something really delightful in somebody experimenting and then specifically failing on that and then finding an appreciation for the failure, right? Because we purchase most of the things from our crew of maker community people because they've put their effort and heart into it. And even if they're a machinist, you know, where things are supposed to be extremely precise, if Bernie Solo made a fidget spinner, but like it made a weird noise because it didn't quite work correctly on the sprocket, I would be more keen on getting that one because mine makes a unique noise, right? (laughs) Mine makes a noise that no one else does. So I find it fascinating that there is clearly a culture, or at least there's, there's people that really do have an appreciation for the mistakes because they want to appreciate the, the experimentation and the failure. Similar to John Ariani, except I'm not nearly as good of a blacksmith as him. Uh, in my shop, I have a scrap bucket of shame. Yeah. <laughs> and and the scrap bucket of shame is where I throw all the things that don't work out, are a little cattywampus, aren't quite up to spec on what I need it to do. Um, but, but the, the scrap bucket of shame doesn't exist to, it's, it's an ironic, ironic name. It doesn't (laughs) exist to actually make me feel shame. What it is, is it is a place where every so often, if I need to conduct an experiment and I need to conduct it on a piece of metal that is already disposable, I go into the scrap bucket of shame and I look for something, well, this isn't quite what I need, but it's close enough for me to run this experiment and see if it works or see if it really, really doesn't. And the other thing I use uh, with the scrap bucket of shame is every so often I will look into that bucket and I will see something and I'll say, well, that didn't work out as a chopstick, but (laughs) I can make it into a pendant. Yes. Mm. That's like a huge portion of our products. It's stuff that we've, uh, we've kind of, tried doing something and it hasn't quite worked and we've gone well actually we could turn that into this thing and that works really really well and like it's it's that experimenting those those prototypes like we've we again we we have um buckets of scrap and i've got especially for the copper work like i've got a a stack of um copper bowls and and things like that that are wrong for some reason and it's just a very very small minute thing but we can't sell them on to the customer. But like, I, I mean, I, I make presents out of a lot of them. Like I'll flatten a section of the bottom and use it as, you know, I, I gave one to my sister as a, as a ring holder and, and things like that. And I think having that kind of, let's say disposable material bucket, especially something that's, it's disposable, but it's already similar <laughs> to what your final product wants to be you can kind of experiment with it a little bit more and and get a little bit closer to what you actually want to do with it then i, I like that there's a, there's a there's personality in that bucket though it's like um do you guys have the raggy dolls in the states there's a tv mm. show in the uk called the raggy dolls and it was all the toys that had been thrown away and they all kind of went down this chute into yes. a bucket and they're all made of like patches of all the other toys 
and oh, like one of them that. was backwards. He's got, I think he's gone back to front, and yeah. they were all just like really manky and horrible. But they are just, they were just so charming. And yeah. those bits in that scrap bucket or the the, the bucket of of Shane John, to yeah. me, they've already got like a, a, an identity because they've 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 already been on an adventure, and now they're just waiting to be on the next adventure. Versus this like virginal clean bit of like stock that you just yeah just come off the press and it's all perfectly you know it's like that's boring show me the bucket of shame you know i, I want to experiment with that i don't want to experiment with the the full bottle of chemicals because it's just yeah, like right comrade. this was a question to be directed at you al we're talking about metal and and kind of our off cuts as it were when it comes to your job how often are you do you have like a an asset folder of shame right where you've created designs or plans or layouts or something like that maybe like a color palette and gone right it doesn't work for this project but then six months down the line you go oh actually i have a really good set of assets that i could totally just pick from and use this yeah totally uh, we, we try to do it as like as a group exercise actually so like every week or so we'll just get together and go right this happened it's terrible, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, do we push it and make it so terrible that it's that it's celebrated? Yeah. Or do we learn from it and go, why is it terrible? You know, why why did these colors not work together? Because um, more, even more so now, because of the way we're working in an incredibly digital realm, there's a lot less um, sketching on paper done now, just because yeah. everybody's working remotely. Um, but you used to have sheets and sheets and sheets and what like we would plaster the walls with sketches right um and by the end of it you'd just have a pile of shit and yeah. then at some point throughout the year you'd have to then shred that because it's all confidential so that would be <laughs> the life cycle of, of experimentation would be do it learn from it stockpile it shred it <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but now we've got these digital almost like scrapbooks of every project and we can just go back in and go oh you know look where that went you know, yeah. well, how, how did how did we even end up there? Or what was the reference? What was the thinking behind that? Yeah. And you've almost got this little like journey and you can follow it like uh, a nail in a bin. You might be like, oh shit, when did I do that? Where did that come from? Yeah. Why, yeah, why, yeah. why why is that one in the bin? But with, with design process, you've got the breadcrumbs mm. and it's really interesting to see how you, how you ended up where you ended up. Cause we, we don't just design stuff like, oh, what about this logo? What about that logo? You know, it's all a linear process. Yeah. Um, so that experimentation, it's actually, you can see where it diverged, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's something like really valuable about having that, whether it's, um, like say a, an asset folder, whether it's a scrap bin, whether it's just a, a bunch of random drawings or, you know, a, a notebook where you've just scribbled ideas. Like I think setting aside a bit of time to, to think about stuff can, can pay dividends. Like there's, um, I think I've talked about him before, like, uh, there's a, a an artist called Scroobius Pip who um, uh, makes music and does a podcast and, and does all sorts of things. But he's one of my favorite songs by him is called uh, Introduction, um, which is the uh, the first like the introduction song to one of his albums. And it's basically a an entire song made up of um, lyrics that he's thought of, like two or three lines that he's thought of that is like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. But he's never been able to build a song around each individual line. So he's basically just thrown them all together, made them into kind of a, 
a, a, a, a story, like not even a story, but like, so they kind of make sense together, but that's it. Like, and it's just like, actually, these are all like really fucking good lines and I want to use them. So I'm just going to chuck some filler between them to make a song out of it because I don't want to throw them away. And um, and I, I think it's really important to have that kind of, that reference of of good ideas and experiments, even though, even if those experiments don't go anywhere on their own, like having them there to be able to, to reference to later, I think is a really good thing. Cause um, I, again, I've spoken about it before. Um, uh, uh, Michael Hoops and Olivia Danstotter do the forge hour thing, which is just like, it's a one word bit of inspiration to, you know, you take a bit of scrap steel uh, that you've already got and you have an hour and you get to forge whatever you want based on that, like, um, that star for 10, like, like the uh, Inktober idea where, you know, you make a drawing based off of a prompt. I think experimenting is, is a really important thing, but I fully understand it's really difficult to do if you don't have an idea in your head already. So having, even if you've got a scrapbook, that's just like prompts of stuff that you want to do. Cause the, the writing challenge that, um, that I set a little while back, which John, I'm still waiting for your uh, entry. Um, <laughs> so, but, so am I. Yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've got a notebook or I've sorry, I've got a, a document in my Google drive. That's just got ideas for like a couple of sentences that I want to put in a story and build a story around that or a, a central theme or idea that I want to use. And as soon as I get, uh, an afternoon where I can actually sit down and clear some space and sit down and write something. I've got those ideas there to pick up and go with straight away, rather than having that thing of sitting down and going, shit, I've got this time, but what do I do now? I've got those ideas there ready, ready to experiment with. Um, yeah, sorry, I'll go. <clears throat> I just, obviously we've been saying experiment a lot and my default in my head is science experiment. When yeah. everyone says experiment and I go back to a kid in a classroom and I think that's why I went to destructive process because a lot of that was setting shit on fire, uh, putting sodium into water, you know, seeing how chemicals react and it was all very destructive. Um, but just on your point, Steve, we, we wouldn't just go into those experiments randomly. You'd go into those experiments with an aim, with a hypothesis of what you thought was going to happen, with a method of how you're going to approach that experiment. You'd record your results. And then you'd have a conclusion and what did we learn from that experiment? So experimenting is not this this flippant random occurrence of fucking yeah. around. Yeah. Experimenting is thought through and it's a process. And I'm not saying we should all write those things down on A4 lined <laughs> paper every time we want to do something, but having a, 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 a nuance of those things I think is super yeah. important. Like before I do this, what do I think is going to happen? Yeah. And at the end, what did I learn? And also in the middle, record it. Like I, yeah. I try. I, I'm, I'm so bad at this. Like, how did I fucking end up doing this? How did I get to that? That's, that's awesome. How do I repeat this? No idea. Yeah, <laughs> because I wasn't paying attention. But if yeah. it's, it, yeah. Go on, John. Yeah. So that just so and and I am the same way. I uh, but at this point, I am trying really hard to correct that bad habit. So in creating the chopsticks, I have been taking notes on what is my starting stock and where do I start the taper? When do I end the taper? How do I perform these specific twists? It's the same thing. I've also been making a lot of 
uh, penannular brooches and taking notes on that and, you know, and, and keeping those handy. So I'm not reinventing the wheel Yeah. every time I do something. And, and that is because it's fine to experiment, but you shouldn't be experimenting every time you're yeah. making something you've already made. You, you kind of want those shortcuts through the basic steps and then get to the part where you want to conduct an experiment. Yeah. Every, so, every time you experiment, it should be a learning exercise, not a fucking about exercise. But if you're right. experimenting every time, you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think like I, it's a, it's a really interesting, um, con like discussion to the, the idea of experimenting, because like say it's experimenting is a really in, in a creative field, it's a really interesting one because, again, going back to what we were saying earlier on, and, and Al, what you were saying, like the when I think of experimenting in a creative sense rather than a scientific sense, it's you know it, it's the image of an artist with a blank canvas just throwing paint at it and seeing what happens, and it's all glorious. And th th that's not what experimenting actually is. It's going. I kind of want to achieve this, or I want to try this technique. How can I do that? And it, I think having a little bit of structure around that experiment is hugely beneficial because it means that you've got you've got something by which to judge whether that was a successful or unsuccessful experiment. Because it's not just a case of you know whether that technique worked it's or whether you got to that end result that you wanted to get it's like well i didn't get to the end result but i now know what that technique does i know i can use that technique for another thing um and you know that's that's still an excess a, a successful experiment it's, to me a successful experiment is something that you learn something from as opposed to something where you get the ideal final result one of my most favorite things is is the learning fuck up yeah which is when you fuck something up but you get a result that is so great it's like this isn't what i wanted but i am going to use this over and <laughs> over again in the future because i i had no idea the metal was going to go in this direction i had no yeah. idea i was going to get this texture on the metal or on the piece uh, but I absolutely, I mean, it's still, it's still going into the scrap bucket of shame because <laughs> it's not what I need for this particular piece, but I'm going to stop forging. I'm going to take some notes and on what I, on, on the specifics of how I fucked up so I can yeah. repeat that fuck up in the future. <laughs> yeah. I think that's brilliant. You know, the scientific method starts with a hypothesis, right? So any experimentation that's done in science, there's a process. And I know there's a mnemonic or something like that that I've long since forgot. Everything had to start out with a hypothesis. So even though we were told to experiment using materials or liquids or whatever the hell it was, you had to have something to aim for because it gave you a direction. And I know that we've talked about uh, you know, working kind of within the box or giving yourself a little bit of a box to play within. But uh, I, I like to think that my most successful experimentation comes out of when I have a sense of what I'm aiming for, right? So even if it goes completely a, like off the rails in a completely different direction, at least I had a hypothesis of what I thought was going to work out. Now, John, I know we talked a little bit about your writing on the 
first time that we had, but yeah, as far as creative processes go, when it comes to writing fiction or just writing in general, I mean, are there analogies that you can make or any kind of similarities that you see between your creative writing process and say coming up with something new in the forge? Well, so there are, when it comes to writing fiction, there are, and this is a little simplistic, but there are two types of writers and one is called a quote unquote pantser uh, or seat of the pants writer. <laughs> and the other type is the planner or the plotter. And so a pantser basically sits down at a pad of paper, a computer, whatever, and just starts writing. <laughs> Whereas the planner sits down with whatever their preferred tool, everything from Excel spreadsheets to Evernote to whatever, and they come up with a plot or kind of a map. And so in the forge, you can also be either a, a planner or a pantser. I will say when I first started out, I was much more of a, a pantser in terms of forging yeah. because I did. I, I have a feeling that pantser means something in the UK. Because you guys are you guys are laughing and it's I just right word. All right, all right. I just I just thought I was I was saying some ridiculous and slightly dirty term in UK but, English. I mean, and I be, didn't know. To be fair, UK English pants is your undergarments, not your uh oh, outer okay. as well. All right. So yeah, all right. it's even funnier. So when I first started forging, I was forging at the steel yard and I was just going to the steel yard for their open studio nights. And I did what was called um, uh, quench bucket diving. Yes. And that was all of the classes, you know, they would dump a bunch of stuff, failed pieces into the quench bucket. And I would I would go in there. I would grab a piece of scrap and I would just start hitting it until it became a hook uh bottle opener, a thing, something else. And that was really useful to me when I, re I mean, really and truly did not know what I was doing. And yeah. I was able to make stuff that way. Now that I'm operating more of a business um, as, as someone who forges, I'm finding myself to be more of a plotter in that I will say, I'm making this product now. And I want to see if I can make this product into this type of design or that type of design. Or can I take my forged chopsticks and also do them as a hairpin? Yeah. You know, or, you know, do one one design that will maybe be multiple products. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I'd say, like, I, I think with stuff like this, it's, I mean, we've, we've, said it a, a few times already like the the idea of having a structure around your experiments is is quite important because i think it's right it's all too easy to say oh yeah well i'm gonna i'm gonna set a time set aside uh two hours a week and i'm gonna experiment in that time and it gets to that two hours and you just kind of go oh, fuck, I, I don't know what to do uh and you either get like complete paralysis because you don't have you, your mind's an empty space sort of thing or you just end up going fuck it i haven't got anything that i need to experiment on i'm just going to carry on working and you never do that experimenting i think having that little bit of structure to it is is hugely important and whether that's you know uh like i said earlier on about the writing thing like having those ideas and setting a um setting parameters to it so it's like right okay well i've got this idea but rather than writing a piece of fiction i want to write an essay on it 
or I want to write a, um, you know, like it's got to be between 500 and a thousand words, or it's got to be four pages long, or it's got to be this or whatever. And the same with the, the crunch bucket challenge, like saying, right, okay, well, I want to make a bottle opener and I'm going to make it using this random bit of steel that I've just pulled out, or, you know, I'm going to make a, uh, a footstool, but I'm only going to use the bits of scrap wood, like the scrap wood challenge that Pask make does like having those kind of, um, vague, but restrictive, um, parameters to it is, is really important because that's what fires your creativity. If you're just told to, to make a thing, then you, you, you tend to stick to what you already know. And it's very hard to break out of those, those thought patterns and those habits. Whereas if you, you say, right, I want to make this thing, but you give yourself a bunch of weird random parameters, then all of a sudden that fires off your creativity, that fires off your, your ability to be able to experiment. And I think having those kind of things, I, don't, I was laughing because I was about to wrap up, but John, you've got a point. Uh, so yes, I'm gonna let you yep, jump in. I Okay, so I'm I'm gonna say just because this is this is debated, and and I'm sorry that I preempted your your segue <laughs> into spiffing, uh, but I'm I'm gonna say it is also a function of personality. Yeah. Uh, so if we bring it back to writing, I know people who are are pantsers, and if they try plotting something out. I just like saying pantsers because every time <laughs> I do, Al laughs, and I like to make Al laugh. So people who are pantsers, they try plotting everything out, and when they get to the end of the plot map, they're like, I'm done with this story. I've written yeah. it in my head. I don't want to write it anymore. Yeah. And at the same way, if you take someone who is naturally a plotter and you give them a blank page and say, you have to start writing the story they will stare at that blank page until they die. Yeah. They will not write that story. So I think, you know, I, ideally you should experiment with both, uh, but you should recognize that you are probably one or the other to some degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like you say, I think like, again, none of this is black and white. It's, it's all, it's all gray areas and variations on that. And, yeah, I think you're right. You find your own your own kind of level of parameters and restriction, and you go with that. And that is why John D. Harvey <laughs> is spiffing. People that we think that are spiffing. You know, yeah, we just, we've discussed this. Have we? What? Did, did you agree to that? I wasn't looking. No, we no, haven't. Just, our I, guess is our guess always has a name beginning with J, and it's always yeah. Chaps. <laughs> yes, we did discuss this. Uh, which means, John, you are first. All right. So I, I actually have two spiffs. Uh, one is maker related. One is not maker related, but they are both kind of in the vicinity of experimentation and creative prompts. The first is an Instagram account called Earth's World. And it is a, a he's a photographer. His actual name is Earth. And <laughs> yeah, that's his name. But what Amazing. he does is he takes pictures of people, Americans at county fairs. And he finds people who have basically already been caricatured by life. 
<laughs> and so his account, I think he's got like some like 8K followers, but his account is known for being like a, a, a creative prompt for a lot of sketch artists. Yeah. So people grab like the the pictures that he takes of people in like this very harsh light, very extreme yeah. features, and and people use them as prompts for their sketch artist sketch artistry. So I awesome. It's not maker related, but it is such an interesting account to see some extremely interesting people. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I reckon. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, like, I'm looking at that, thinking back to the the writing prompt thing. Like, you could easily pick any one of these people and be like, right, write a story about that guy, and yeah, you know, you're gonna come up with an amazing backstory because yep. yeah, they're really. That's really cool. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. So the other one I'm going to spiff is, and and for a long time, I didn't even know the name of this uh, YouTube account because it's all in Cyrillic. It's it's <laughs> a Russian blacksmith. And let me see, I've got it written down over here. In the smithy of Vladimir Vesolov. And so he's not unknown. He's got something like 20K followers, but he is basically, so I've gone down this deep hole of Russian blacksmiths and specifically <laughs> guy guys who are like my age and older because so like guys, 30 and above oh you're so kind i'm going <laughs> to send you i'm going to send you so much free shit um <laughs> yes. so so because these guys they grew up in the soviet union when they had nothing so they've like they've put together a power hammer from a derelict tank from world war ii and they've put together yeah. their belt grinder from the ural motorcycle that killed their dad you know <laughs> it's stuff like that and and so it's a great account to see these guys experiment with angle grinders machinery vices yeah. jigs that they obviously like they're not going out and buying a three thousand dollar broadback yeah they're they're cobbling this stuff together they're experimenting with it and then they're posting it all on online so uh i will i will send you the youtube link for the show notes but uh and and this guy's great because he's basically kind of me but russian <laughs> he's just this big burly guy um lots of beard and 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 you don't understand anything he's saying because it's all in cyrillic <laughs> uh, we're all in Russian. It's all in Russian. Yeah. If, you, if you turn on the closed captioning, it's Russian. Um, so yeah, those are those are my two. Good shout. I mean, I I did briefly try searching for it on YouTube and couldn't find it. So I will I'll have to wait for the um, the link before I can come up with it. But that that sounds really good. For, there's there's a lot of channels that are like that now. Like that because of the availability of um mobile phones and things like that that you're able to record fairly decent quality video on nowadays like there are so many people that are able to create content um that aren't necessarily using the the latest and greatest tools and gadgets and it's really nice to see it's really inspiring to think shit well if this guy can make that with you know the, the that little equipment that he's got like there is no excuse for me to be able to get away without being able to do something with all of the equipment that i've got access to um, in fact, uh, Joe tagged me in a, 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 an Instagram post um, yesterday, and it was a guy with literally no arms chopping wood by grabbing the axe under his chin 
and swinging it like that. It was fucking awe-inspiring. And it it just made me go like, actually, you know what? I, I need to buck up my ideas and fucking just crack on with some stuff. Jabs. Al, that means you're next. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to spiff NMB Woodworks. Na- Niall. So Niall Brune. Yes. Um, he the latest project just went straight <laughs> to my heart because he was yeah. um, restoring you and do like gifting uh, a a Game Boy uh, for for I think his wife, yeah. um, and his video was just fantastic. Just seeing it um, just totally come back to life, be restored, updating the screen, making it relative to to today's uh, standards, um, <laughs> but. Even stuff like the case, like the Game Boy, I've never seen a, a case like that. It was like a, a Game Boy suitcase with all the peripherals in. Have you never um, seen that before? No, I've never seen one. Oh, um, I, I actually had one as a kid. It was fucking oh, crazy. wow. Yeah, I was I was an underprivileged child. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it was just it was just a joy to watch. Uh, and it was a spiffing video. So if you've not seen it and you're not subscribed to, to, to Niall's... Um, YouTube channel. It's mostly woodworks, but this was just again. This is a, a nice um, respite from yeah. that with a bit of bit of retro gaming. So yeah. go and check out his video. Right, nice. He's a good shout. And he's top bloke. He, I was just about to say he is such a fucking wonderful guy. Like he's really active within the the Facebook group. Really nice and has infinite fucking patience because it took me like four months to send him a hoodie. Um, <laughs> And just every now and then, it'd just be like, um, Steve, have you uh, have you remembered that uh, hoodie? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's literally in the back of my car. I just haven't been to a post office because I'm a fucking terrible person. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he's yeah, he's he's a lovely bloke. Um, really good chat one. Uh, and I kind of figured that at least one of us is going to be spiffing him based purely on that latest video. <laughs> uh, Brett, you are next. Who would you like to spiff? Well, I'm going to follow suit. Mr. John D. Harvey, I have a Russian channel that I would like people to take a look at. So I put out the sign video and, you know, I love responding to as many comments as I can. And I have a tendency to, you know, pay attention or I have a pretty good Rolodex in my head of people that are returning or, or people that comment on the regular. I got a comment from a person whose avatar name or whatever it was, World of Armor. And I was like, oh. That's really cool. So I click <laughs> on it and they are a YouTube channel with a hundred plus thousand subscribers, but he's a blacksmith armor maker, forges all kinds of other stuff, but very specifically his channel is based around armor making a traditional style, but with a lot of new age techniques in terms of utilizing welding and, you know, torches and things like that. So it's not a hundred percent dedicated to doing everything old school. I, I think it's just a really great, you know, I, I started just watching a ton of the videos and he's just got a really good balance of uh, here's how it was made. Brilliant. Yeah, they're fantastic. And he just <laughs> seems like he just seems like a kooky, weird young guy who's really talented. You know, luckily, most of his stuff is done well enough either by Google or maybe he puts his own subtitles in there or, you know, closed captioning. But it's really easy to follow. I've been able to look at, well, I've looked at a lot of the videos at this point now because I think I've mentioned it before. I I have a huge affinity for medieval arms and armory. And so having never heard of this channel before, I'm now, you know, totally 
uh, embracing all of the knowledge that I'm gaining from this guy's channel. It just seems super fun. And it's obviously existed for a little while, but it seems like maybe he got a few videos to, to really pop and then yeah. started hitting it a little bit harder recently. You know, I'm always up for a new fun channel and, and finding different approaches to things, experiments or experimentation. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one to continue following going forward. So it's world of armor period space armor smith which just has to be the worst actual title for a channel but you got good stuff and yeah. i've been enjoying it so far yeah no those uh like i say the thumbnails look fantastic and uh yeah looks like there's that's some really fun videos on there um yeah yeah good show man yeah, so I I am actually one of his hundred thousand followers. I'm <laughs> I'm familiar with his channel, and that is another one of the things that I really like about the the Russian metal workers is that they are extremely pragmatic in that yeah. they feel no loyalty to like traditional methods. I mean, they use them when it's appropriate, but if you need a welder, use a welder. It's the better tool. They just they yeah. just want to get the work done. So it's it's kind of nice to see some people working that way just like listen we could do it the traditional way it would take me an extra day yeah or i could use this stick welder and it's done in five minutes <laughs> yeah amen i mean yeah. i there's a lot to be said for for being pragmatic about uh stuff like that although saying that if you want to hear about someone that's not always pragmatic like that and who does like to do things in an extremely traditional way um then uh matt stagma's stint on the full blast podcast uh last week um was really good and he spent a little bit of time talking about um everyone's favorite angry russian uh Ilya, um and talking about how uh Ilya can be very very kind of militant about if you're doing a historic build you do it historically and if yes yeah yeah it, it was a really interesting chat like i genuinely it, it wasn't like laugh a minute like some of the um the full blast podcasts are but it was a genuinely really interesting chat um i enjoyed that and i i i would love to hear uh i'd love to hear Ilya on full blast but i think i'd love to hear <laughs> matt and Ilya on full blast together just to hear Ilya just lay into matt for an hour and a half straight um but yeah no uh good shout that's a an interesting looking channel yeah uh I am last and I am, so when I'm experimenting, when I'm thinking about stuff, I, I, I'd spoken about it before. I have a habit of listening to lo-fi music. Um, it's something that I think a lot of people over the last probably seven or eight years have started to get into. Um, and whilst I was browsing through uh, my YouTube feed the other day, I happened upon a video entitled The Science Behind Lo-Fi Music. Um, and it's on a channel called Sabrina and Friends, who have like just shy of 400,000 subscribers, subscribers. Um, but basically it's, uh, it's it, the other, the other, um, channel title is answer in progress. And it's basically just, um, uh, this girl, um, Ants are in progress. Answer in progress. Ants are in progress. Answer. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Sorry, I, there was a wasp being eaten by ants on the driveway, and I was watching it for ages. So I've got ants on the brain. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Or or it could be pantser in progress. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, you put yourself on mute, you fucker. Um, <laughs> your face dropped when I said that as well. You went back to serious, Al. Um, but yeah, basically the channel is uh, um, Sabrina and her friends um, just doing uh, experiments and, and going into like the science behind stuff. And I've I will be honest, I've only watched like one, maybe two other videos um, other than the the lo-fi one so far because I haven't had a huge amount of time to watch the videos. But um, there's some really interesting things about it. And the the lo-fi one I found really interesting. She actually ended up um, writing a bunch of code to mm -hmm. create a, a lo-fi song based off of analyzing a bunch of other lo-fi songs and like, oh my gosh, like mm. figuring out like what makes a lo-fi song, why does it work and all of this. And, and so she played around and the first, like, I think she ended up writing five tracks and of them, one of them kind of maybe worked. Uh, the first one was a fucking train wreck and it's <laughs> glorious to hear. Um, but yeah, it and it, it was just really, it was a really cool video because a like I say I, I listen to lo-fi a lot when I'm I'm working on stuff, um, especially if I'm writing or something like that, um, and to hear the kind of science behind it was interesting, and then to see someone experimenting and trying to make, uh, make something um, using AI rather than actually doing it themselves as an experiment was a was a really interesting thing. So. Um, so yeah, uh, that's Sabrina and Friends on YouTube and the thing will be in the shows. Um, so yeah, go check that out if you like stuff like that. Um, right, that's it. Is there any other business from any of you? I want more people to watch J.P. Strutton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's my biggest thing. I, I genuinely love his videos and I just... I think as experimenting goes, since that's what we were talking about, I'm not going to spiff it because I already spiffed it a couple weeks back, but seriously, he deserves a lot more viewership and uh, he's been super nice just to have chats with back and forth through Instagram. He's a genuinely good guy. That's it for me. I just want more <laughs> people to go and watch what he does. <laughs> cool. Uh, Al, you had something? Yes. Uh, I would just like to say a big congrats to Heidi for packing yes. in the fucking rat yes. race yes um, it's a very brave move and i hope wish you all the best you and the family so i'm incredibly jealous yeah <laughs> yep you're next um well it's either, it's either gonna be you or john and yeah <laughs> uh oh that's that's a, we should we should start placing bets <laughs> uh i'd rather go with a deadpool type situation <laughs> Um, cool. Uh, if there is nothing else, then, uh, John, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? If you go on the interwebs and search for John D. Harvey, you will you will find me on Twitter, Facebook, as well as uh, Instagram, uh, or JDH Metalcraft. And if you are marveling at the absolutely fantastic logo I have, then, <laughs> then the person responsible for that is our own Alex himself here on the yeah. podcast. Yeah, he did good work there. Yeah, uh, no. 
And I have had a lot of people, I mean, especially people within graphic design and the ad industry, look at that and say, that is really fantastic. That how much, <laughs> you know, that, that looks like it was professionally done. And I'm like, well, that's, <laughs> like, because, well, that's... <laughs> that's because an actual nice. professional did it. You just you wait till you see the fucking thumbnail, John. Um, And in case anyone is wondering, the D in John D. Harvey stands for divine. Um, If you want to find the rest, (laughs) or fucking crickets afterwards, thank you, or or Daryl, but whatever. (laughs) Daryl, data analyzing robot youth life form. (laughs) Sakes. Uh, yeah, anyway, uh, if you want to find the rest of us, you can find us in all of the usual social media places. You can find me at Moonshine Networks, you can find Brett at Skull and Spade 13, and you can find Al at Al's Hack Shack. Al's Hack Shack! There we go. Uh, if you find us as a group, um, we are in again most of the places as FWT Podcast or Fools with Tools. Uh, we are also in in on facebook as fools with tools um we have a, a wonderful group um on the facebook world um which is basically entirely run by mr john d harvey um <laughs> because brett doesn't use facebook al doesn't know how to use facebook i try to avoid facebook and john is wonderful so yeah uh if you want to join in with the community that's happening there Go join in, answer the questions, get let in, love life. Um, I think that's it. So until next time, John, thank you ever so much for joining thank us. You, it John. is always a pleasure having you in the virtual world. Um, and yeah, for the rest of you, we love you and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye.